Heavenly Father, thank you for this vision which you gave to the Apostle John, recorded for us in the book of Revelation. As we look into it this morning together, please, we pray, bless us through what we see, speak to our hearts and lives, and bring afresh to our minds, we pray, a fresh appreciation of what happened on that first Easter Sunday. We ask this in the name of our risen Lord and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, talking and thinking about death is not easy for any of us. Uh, you will feel that, especially if you've recently lost a loved one. Uh, my mother still finds Saturdays really hard. It was on a Saturday morning that she came back from the shops to find my father lying dead on the floor of his study, aged 62. And that was 15 years ago. Death is not an easy subject to broach, and it's one reason why it's a taboo subject in our society. Uh, it's the elephant in the room, which we pretend isn't there. So why draw attention to it? Well, because it is so important to get ready for it. Now then, uh, imagine that you uh, got fed up with life in Australia and decided to emigrate for good to the UK. Now then, I know it's hard to imagine, but uh, just go along with the thought experiment for a moment. Uh, would you make, uh, when would you make the preparations for it? Would you leave it until the departure date? Of course not. You prepare. And so, we would do well to make preparations for the departure date of our departure from this life. Uh, the other day, I, was, I discovered the website uh, which is called the on life, Online Death Clock. Uh, maybe when you've got a, a board and uh, spare moments, you can have a look. And what you do is basically you enter your basic data, uh, your date of birth, your BMI, uh, whether you are a smoker or a non-smoker, and it will calculate for you the amount of time you have left. Well, I couldn't resist. I put in my data, and I found out that according to the Online Death Clock, I am due to die on Tuesday the 25th of January, 2039. Well, there you have it. And that's only 274 months away, which uh, doesn't sound that long. However, if my lifespan matches that of my father who died aged 62, then I can halve that to only 132 months remaining. And there are days when even that seems optimistic. Sooner or later, that day is going to come for each of us. Uh, death is the ultimate statistic, of course. It doesn't matter if you're a famous book best-selling author or a nobody, one out of one, people die. How does that make you feel? Uh, for many people, it is the F word, fear. Uh, Woody Allen said, uh, I'm not scared of my death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Uh, more seriously, uh, one atheist journalist called Tom Chivers wrote the following, I'm terrified of death, my own, my loved one's, Everyone's. Hundreds of years after my death, no one will really know who I was. Do you even know your great-grandparents' names? If only somebody had the answer to death. What we really need is not so much a life coach, but a death coach. Somebody who can deal with death 
and carry us through death to the other side. And it's against this bleak backdrop that the dramatic words of Jesus Christ ring out. Revelation 1 verse 17. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is what the Apostle John saw in a vision he was given on the island of Patmos. The risen, exalted Jesus saying these astonishing, breathtaking, wonderful words. I hold the keys of death. Now I've got some keys. Um, you've got keys. Uh, here are my keys. Hang on, let's find them. There we go. Um, here's the one for the front door. Here's the one for the car. Here's the one for my uh, chocolate snack box. Uh, we all have keys, don't we? But what are keys all about? Keys are all about authority. Uh, keys give us power. With keys, we have power to get into places and out of places. Keys give us authority. Uh, the other Sunday, uh, Tracy went home first after church and uh, kindly took my bag with her. What she didn't realize is that it contained my keys, uh, both for the car and uh, the school hall. I was left standing there like a real Muppet, uh, staring powerlessly through the window of my locked car. Jesus, he has the keys to death. It doesn't mean he's actually got a, a set of keys in his pocket. It means he has authority and power over the realm of death. Death is a prison to which Jesus has the keys. And he can get people out of that prison. Uh, there are six references in the New Testament to keys, and four of them are in the book of Revelation. If you know anything about the original context of the book, you'll know that it was written to the suffering church in the context of growing persecution. How do you feel? You feel powerless. You feel that you are at the mercy of the powerful, and that would have been how that early first century church was feeling. But the message of Revelation would have been a real encouragement to them and to us. Because the message of Revelation reminds God's people who is ultimately in control. Uh, back in the first century when John was writing there were plenty of tyrants around. Tyrants who thought that they had absolute power. They thought they had the power of life and death. Power to give the thumbs up or the thumbs down. But the reality is, of course... Killing people, that's the easy bit. Anyone can do that. The real power is setting people from death once they have died. And no emperor claimed to be able to pull that one off. And yet Jesus says, I have the keys of death. The keys of death and Hades. Uh, Hades refers, uh, is referred to in the Old Testament as Sheol. It's the place of the departed spirits. It's sometimes just translated the grave. Jesus has the keys of death and over the grave. So why should we bother with Jesus? Why should we trust him? Why should we follow him? Well, here's one huge reason. 
He has the keys of death. And nobody else has those keys. He is the only one and the only key holder to that place. Uh, if we lose our keys, uh, we either call up the wife and say, please can bring the spare set round, please, or we go and get the, the spare set ourselves. But when it comes to death, there is just one set of keys in the whole universe, and you can't get copies of them made. And these keys are in the possession of Jesus Christ. One day, each of us will die, and there's only one person who can get us out of there, and that is the Lord Jesus. Sometimes people think that they can get out of almost any situation. Those with the gift of the gab think they'll talk their way out. Those who are sexually cluey think that they can devise some way out. And yet death is a maximum security prison. There is no way out apart from through Jesus. He is the one who can free us from the prison of the grave. From the prison of fearing physical death. And from the prison of eternal death, which the Revelation later calls the second death. So you see, Jesus is the key man because he is the key man, if you'll forgive the pun. Now, uh, it's a remarkable claim for anyone to make, to say, I have the keys of death. And the question then is, what evidence, evidence is there that Jesus can deliver? Look again at what Jesus says. Revelation 1 verse 17, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. You see, Jesus' unique claim to have the keys of death is built on a unique historical event, the resurrection from the dead. Jesus says, I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Just outside Jerusalem on that momentous weekend in the first century, Jesus was crucified for our sins on the Friday. It wasn't some near-death experience. He did die and he was buried. But then, on the third day, the Sunday, he was raised to life, never to die again. And this is what the Old Testament scriptures had foretold centuries earlier. They had declared the tomb would be empty. And thereafter, of course, hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus alive and well over the next 40 days. And it was evident to them that something unparalleled in human history had happened. Jesus conquered death and now holds the keys of death. And he alone is able to set others free from that prison. This, of course, is not a fairy tale. This is real history. And it is profoundly significant. And it carries life-changing implications for each of us today. As we brought out in the kids' talk, it means Jesus is alive today. And it means Jesus holds the keys of death today. Jesus is history, but he's not just history. Uh, through his resurrection, he became the king over the realm of the dead, in which he himself had been imprisoned. And he is alive today, and he is able 
to set us free. It's no wonder that the resurrection of Jesus was absolutely central to the message and the teaching of the early church. It was something that they proclaimed even at the risk of losing their lives. Acts chapter 4 verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Acts 17 verse 18. Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. There it is. You couldn't stop them talking about it. And in due course, many of them did give up their life for the proclamation of that message. Because Jesus is the Lord of life and death has been defeated and that changes everything. For the early church facing persecution and martyrdom, that was a game changer and it is for people still today. Uh, Jim Rome is a uh, motivational guru and writer. Uh, His philosophy has apparently helped millions to improve their business, personal life, leadership, and finances. And I'm sure it's improved his own finances somewhat as well. Uh, His latest new inspirational book on how to make your whole life a success is called The Keys to Success. Maybe you've got a copy on your shelf. Well, uh, maybe Jim has the keys to success in some limited areas of life, but what about death? What can Jim offer any of us in the face of death? Nothing. We don't just need a life coach, we need a death coach. Someone who can get us not just, not just through life, but through death and out the other side. And that person, of course, is Jesus. He's the Lord of life. And he's not just another motivational guru out to make a quick buck. He's the Lord of life. He died and he became alive again. And he is alive forevermore. And he now holds the keys of death. If you're with us on Good Friday um, in the kids' talk, uh, Liam made a pithy observation, did he not? Recall he pointed out that for secular society... Easter is all about Easter bunny and Easter eggs. And that's all that the kids hear in schools these days. What a tragedy. People are being sold short. And our kids are being sold short. Can you think of a more trivial way to mask such an astonishing truth? Easter is actually celebrating the conquest of our greatest enemy, death. What we're confronted here is something in a category of one. Jesus comes, you see, with a unique claim and unique credentials. Uh, Again, Revelation 1 verse 17. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Now, if you're um, into grammar, it's what's called a merism. Uh, You state the polar opposites to highlight something and everything in between. Uh, For example, you say, I searched high and low for my glasses. And the idea is high and low and everywhere in between. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying he is the first and the last of history. He has control of the beginning and of the end and of everything in between, including death. He has total authority 
and total power. What an extraordinary claim to make. And when we look more closely at Jesus' statement, we realize that it is saturated in Old Testament titles for God. He was claiming for himself unfettered divine authority. Um, Isaiah 44 verse 6 says this. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. In Revelation, Jesus said, I am the living one. I am alive forever and ever. Uh, The living one was another description of God. Psalm 42, verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And alive forever and ever, that was God language as well. Daniel 4, verse 34, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Some today in our world would say, this is an outrageous claim. How can this poor carpenter from Nazareth, executed as a common criminal, dare to claim for himself titles that belong to the Creator God alone? But his credentials speak for themselves. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. It is rooted in that historical Event. He's the Lord of life. Where does that leave us today? How does Jesus begin? At verse 17, he says this Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Uh, you see, at one level, he's telling John not to be afraid because he's just been given a pretty terrifying vision of Jesus in verses 12 to 16, as we read. The risen, exalted Jesus in all his glory and power has left John flat on his face. He's terrified. So Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. Uh, 1 verse 17 again. Uh, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. But it doesn't just stop there. Because at a deeper level, Jesus was telling John then and us today that if we trust in him, we need no longer fear death. So in the next chapter, fast forward to chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, the suffering church in Smyrna is told this. These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Verse 10, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. So a few words in conclusion. Uh, The accuracy of the online death clock is somewhat questionable. However, the accuracy of God's death clock for our lives is precise and final. You see, God has allocated the number of years, days, hours, and seconds that each of us shall live. And God has also provided the means by which we can be ready, we can be prepared for that final day, the Lord Jesus. The world has no answers to this problem of death. 
And hence it is the elephant in the room. It's the subject to be avoided. But in the church, death is not a taboo subject. It's something we can discuss openly. And the gospel provides the answer to the problem of death. Jesus is the victor over the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55 says this. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Therefore, the gospel, it's a powerful message to share with others this Easter time. And it's also a great message to receive ourselves if we haven't yet done so. And if these claims of Jesus are new to you, they are worth a closer look. Are you prepared for your death? Are you afraid of death? Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus says, trust me and I'll set you free. Free from the fear of the first death of the grave and free from the second death of eternal judgment. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, may we be those who trust in you as the Lord of life who holds the keys of death. We give you our fears, we entrust to you our death, and we ask that you would give us your peace and hope in the face of death. Amen.